It's showtime. Conversation cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. And here we go, off and running on this 18th day of October 2023. This is the Horn, head on.live. This is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's uh, also where you go if you'd like to be part of the merry, wacky, zany, real-time, madcap, multimedia extravaganza that is the Horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. All time zones in between and the Great Globe Round. And where if you pop in right now, you'll be greeted by the early arrivers, Squeaky and Ralph, capably moderated by Horn Chief Agronomist and Chief Mathematician and Bud Trimmer Emeritus, Roger in Oregon. Hi, I'm Robin. And sorry about being a little bit, doing a little housekeeping back here uh, in the studio, looking over a couple of things and uh, checking in on a couple of messages from Brother Deacon Asa. Oh, and remember, please, if you are if you remember the community via the podcast aspect of the program, well, thank you for taking time out of your day to share and uh, share your precious finite time with us. And if you would be so kind, make sure to uh, uh, like the podcast wherever it is that you uh, that download it. You know, places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podcast Republic, Podbean, uh, wherever you take it, uh, please like it, subscribe to it, and leave an occasional comment because uh, well, it helps when people see you that other people are you know listening. And I I remain I remain absolutely amazed by all of this. So it, it, we are. Uh, Six days away from one anniversary, and the 20th anniversary of the program is in February of next year. How about that? Every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. And so, consequently, we say thank you to our 18th day of the month subscribers via PayPal. And that means uh, thank you to Grace, and thank you to Joy in Ann Arbor, who is presently not in Ann Arbor. And thank you to Charlene in Rogues Island. 
Thank you all for being partial sponsors of the program and helping to keep this long-running conversation going, uh, running as long as it has. And thank you to Colin. Uh, Colin jumped in, and I had a lovely note earlier today. Uh, got paid today. Working mad hours and making mad money here in Des Moines. Here's 20 bucks. We all love you so much. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Colin. That just that touches me. It really, really does. It means a lot to know that uh, that this program means so much to so many. And, in fact, I had a, a note from uh, the aforementioned Joy in Ann Arbor uh, the other day. She really... Uh, she she really she really touched me. She said, uh, "It occurs to me that I never really give you feedback on the podcast. So let me tell you here and now how much you're mentioned at the beginning of Monday of homicidal maniacs in rich abundance tickled me for some reason. You do these asides and sotto voce quickies that invariably are gold, and I just wanted you to know how much they're appreciated." Adding that she has presently overdosed on bluebell banana pudding ice cream, and I understand that. But th- thanks for that. The, the, little, you know, the little affirmations mean a lot. They really, really do. They always have. That's where the old joke about uh, putting my head in a C-clamp came from. And so uh, where we are right now uh, with uh, Colin jumping in out in Des Moines, thank you again so much. Uh, we are uh, down to $90 away, just $90 away for being funded for last Monday, uh, and by last Monday, I mean, I mean Monday the 9th of October. We are $90 away from being fully funded for last Monday, and that leaves Tuesday, Wednesday, no show on Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, that's... So anything we could do to knock it down would be helpful. And uh, Ralphs wants to help. Thank you, Ralphs. Um, a note, expert listed by Trump Org as its appraiser tells court he never did the work. <laughs> they, they really are gay. They, they're just total screw-ups, aren't they? It, is it because they never none of is it because they were never held to account? But it seems it seems that whatever may have been the operative motivation in the Trump organization, it, it's it seems to have, it seems to be transmissible because what was once a fairly you know a fairly organized Republican Party is now just. Well, it's a dumpster fire, y'all. They're a hot mess. Um, but uh, Ralphs is offering a $25 challenge for the Trump uh, Trump org appraiser not doing the work. I mean, <laughs> oh, that's their expert. A professional appraiser cited in five years of Trump Organization documents told the New York judge, that would be Justice Angoran, 
overseeing a fraud trial that he actually never evaluated several of the buildings in question. Now, that would be uh, a man by the name of Doug Larson, and he's with a real estate firm called Newmark. And in five years' worth of Trump org uh, disclosures and documents, uh, he was the appraiser for things like 40 Wall Street, Trump Tower, and a retail space next to Trump Tower called Nike Town. And so he was on the stand and testifying. And uh, state uh, New York State Attorney Mark Ladoff from the Attorney General's office said, uh, is it fair to say that Mr. Trump valued Trump Tower at $526 million in conjunction with you? And Doug Larson said, no, that's incorrect. Then came the next question. Were you aware that Mr. McConney was citing you as a valuation source for his work papers? And Doug Larson said, no, I was not. I did not assess Trump Tower, Nike Town, or 40 Wall Street. So now it's not just that they fudged the documents, frauded the documents leading up to this suit, this disgorgement suit. Thanks for the fancy words, Steve. They're also <laughs> they're also lying. It's all they do. They're just liars. Just lying liars. It's what liars do. So anyway, if anybody wants to kick in 25 bucks, Ralphs will turn it into 50. And there are some uh, there are some uh, uh, lupine pests on the porch that uh, need a haunch of meat thrown way 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 out uh, out in the field to get them away from us, um, and that uh, that would help. I, I really hate talking about that. I do. UN Security Council has been meeting. And uh, over Israel and Hamas and the Palestinians caught in the vice between the two. Steve says one of the saddest parts of this Israeli-Hamas conflict is that the sides just talk past each other. I'm watching the debate at the UN Security Council. Each side seems completely incapable of even acknowledging the other's pain. Well, that's, that's, I hate to be flip, but this might have some sort of resolution if it didn't rely upon Invisible Sky Daddy being a real estate agent. It's gross. You've got two, theo- uh, two theocratic organizations the Israeli government and Hamas, and they've both got they've both got 
claim, they, they both claim to own the territory. And they both base the claim, this is after all prayer meeting Wednesday, y'all, we can talk about this. They both base the claim on a title, uh, on a, on a, on an unwritten title deed. See, that's why the English, Anglo English, uh, the English, uh, common law system had to come up with the statute of frauds. All contracts for the sale of land must be in writing, even if it's on stone. <sighs> but, where, why do I still have the statute of frauds in my head? Never mind. It's up there rattling around with shit like Mortmain and the rule against perpetuity. Oh, don't even say it. I probably just gave poor David up in Oregon a migraine. Not the rule against perpetuities. But seriously. Uh, both sides have an invisible deed from an invisible God who's the only God. And it all turns on, well, okay. It's always about the sex. You know? And the two sides differ as to who who and what. Way back in Genesis. <laughs> the RAP, Stephen New York says, stop talking. Just stop talking. Oh, the trauma, the trauma. I understand. I'll try not to mention that thing again. But well, see, Abram from Ur of the Chaldees was horny. Every nightmare on earth is caused by uh, some uh, some dude. Oh no, I'm so far past Rome. I'm uh, no, I'm I'm 3000 years BCE now, Steve. I'm I'm talking about Ur of the Chaldees for Christ's sakes. Um There's always some horny guy that starts all the trouble. And in this case, it's Abram. Hadn't added the, uh, he hadn't added the extra syllable yet. And so he goes wandering around. He's married, he's married to a woman named Sarai. And she is a high priestess of the mother you know, whose, whose fruits and bounty are at least visible, you know, harvests and reproduction and fertility and, yeah. Um, but Sarai, as a, and there's an irony here, because as a priestess of a fertility goddess, she was having a hard time getting pregnant, but it, it wasn't on her. Nine times out of ten, fertility problems are with the dude's little wigglers. 
So she said, all right, I've got a slave girl. I'm tired of watching you mope around, Abram. Bang my slave girl. Meanwhile, the slave girl's like, what? And all of a sudden, Abram turns into something from Mortal Kombat and says, get over here! Um, And she gives birth to Ishmael. Well, lo and behold, Sarai finally gets pregnant at, like, according to Genesis, 90 years old or something. Uh, because Invisible Sky Daddy hadn't invented uh, menopause yet. And that yields up Isaac. Arabic people see Ishmael as their, the, the progenitor of their line. Hebrew people see as Isaac. They both claim Abram. And after and, and, and everything everything devolves from there. Oh, okay. Steve says I'm just talking generally. I'm granting the privilege of talking about Rome at any time. Well, I'm sorry. I'm back. I'm. Ba- I'm. Uh, I am. I'm back in the Fertile Crescent. I'm. You know, he, he went. He, he went on walkabout from Mesopotamia. Or you know, had a fabulous cigarette there. Hey, buddy, you got a cigarette? How about a light? Hmm. And this. 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 Real estate dispute. Oh, it's all mine. No, it's all mine. You know, it's all Daffy Duck. Mine, 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 mine. Flavio says, I blame the British. They promised the Palestinians a state, and like the British always do, reneged on that promise. They had promised the Kurds a state, too, and abandoned them, too, and that whole partition of the Ottoman Empire was a swindle. Well, the 1948 map has a Palestinian state and a Jewish state. Oh, well. Um, but God, Flavio, I'm not going to play it because everybody would just be bored. But uh, I don't know if you're any kind of... I'm, I'm a hopeless Al Stewart fangirl. Uh, and uh, if you go to his, uh, his album, Between the Wars, there's a song on there about the end of World War I because, well, you know, great topic for a song. But the song is called League of Notions. And there's a verse in it, and it's, it's, all, it's all about uh, the remaking of Europe and the Middle East and the aftermath of World War I. Lawrence of Arabia is waiting in the wings. He's got some Arab sheiks and chiefs, and we're in debt to them somehow. Lawrence of Arabia has this perfect vision, going to sell him down the river. No, t- got no time for that now. And it's a pretty nicely distilled picture of 1919. Uh, religious dispute. Honestly, I don't think this is about competing religious deeds. I really don't. I would surmise that this is nothing more than I want what you've got, says Steve. Yeah. And both sides do it. Well, but that's the thing. They want what they have. I want what you've got because my invisible friend told me I could have it 5,000 years ago. 
slightly after the flood. Oh, my, getting back. But, yeah, they debated, uh, there, there was debate in the... Uh, in the UN and the United States of course vetoed any any sort of uh, statement the Jerusalem Post said the United States vetoed a United, States, United Nations Security Council resolution that would have called for humanitarian pauses. Jesus Christ. Yeah, him too. He, in the conflict between Israel and Palestinian terrorists, Hamas, to allow humanitarian aid access to the Gaza Strip. Yeah, we vetoed that. No humanitarian aid for Gaza, damn it. It gets embarrassing sometimes. It really does. And, uh, well, let's talk about the Congress instead, shall we? That's more fun. No, 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 before we go to Congress, it is it is prayer meeting Wednesday. And I said yesterday I was saving this story for prayer meeting Wednesday. Now, we go to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania for this one. And, and remember, for those of you not aware, and this isn't me, this isn't me slurring that wonderful Commonwealth. Pennsylvanians will tell you this, too. Pennsylvania is Pittsburgh in the west, Philadelphia in the east, and Alabama in the middle. I think we found one of those Alabamians, just with a different accent. Hey, uh, uh, let's see, uh. A uh, state lawmaker there in Harrisburg and her name is Representative Stephanie Borowitz. Wow. She had uh, she had a few things to say. And this does kind of go with everything we've been talking about, uh, because the madness is not limited to any one particular forum or corner of governance. This is a this is a disease that touches every aspect of life in this country. There's nowhere in this country you're safe from this kind of insanity. I mean, there are gun gun humping maggots in the most liberal states, just as there are a lot of good liberals and progressives in the maggot states. And they're brave. 
But Stephanie Borowitz uh, was voting against some Pennsylvania legislation, and she wanted to explain why. Oh, goodness gracious. She's a real piece of work, y'all. When Democrats are pushing bills like banning gas-powered mowers and gas-powered stoves in New York City, all under the name of a climate control agenda, we can all see what is really going on here. The truth is, is in Genesis 8.22, it says, As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. I'll say that again. Will never cease. Of course, we are to be good stewards of God's creation, but not through a forceful climate control global agenda. I'm a no. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, when- You're a no nothing. <sighs> Naturally, she's a maggot. Climate control? That's the whole problem. The climate crisis, the climate is out of control. The climate was self-controlling at one point, but then we, well, we humans, anthropogenic uh, climate change, anyone, uh, decided to dump a shit ton of, of, of carbon into the atmosphere, and it's created a lot of problems. Storms are getting worse, hurricanes are getting stronger, droughts are getting longer, hotter, drier. But we've got a statement from the book of Genesis that was written by people who had to learn to walk upright by by, by using wheelbarrows. Got a statement from the book of Genesis from people who were, well, uh, only recently had stopped fighting with the uh, buzzards for what the wolves didn't want. Not exactly the, goodness gracious sakes alive, not exactly a a clearinghouse of scientific and rational understanding. By the way, Stephanie Borowitz comes from Clinton County, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, Bamistan. And... As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. That's rather a, a terracentric version of the, you know, that's that's the kind of thinking that somebody engages in who thinks that the earth is the center of the universe. Who thinks that the sun, well, that book also has a moment where it talks about the sun standing still in the sky, which, of course, can't happen. Because the sun doesn't move around the earth. Oh, uh, Steve tells me, uh, in case you didn't get it, the global climate agenda is Appendix L to the homosexual agenda. If you don't have it, I can have headquarters send you one. Please, uh, and uh, Steve, would you see if they'll send me a hard copy and an electronic copy? Because I'm still a bit of a Luddite, and I like to take my, I like to take a pen and a jot notes in the margin and highlight things physically. Uh, please, yes, uh, that's climate. Uh, if you want turn it, turn in your hymnals, y'all. The uh, global climate agenda is Appendix L to the homosexual agenda. And, yes, 
do have headquarters uh, send that along. I need to br- I need to brush up. They're banning gas stoves in New York City. You, you, we we do know why that gas stove ban is a thing, right? I mean, it's not a thing, but it's a suggestion. It's because burning natural gas inside a home releases ultra-fine particulate matter via the combustion, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, y'all. I had to learn that one a long time ago. And when you breathe those things, they're so tiny. We know all about this in southern West Virginia. Those particles are so tiny, there's nothing in your body that will filter them out or stop them from getting all the way deep down into your system. And they, and, 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 and they, they raise hell. They wreak havoc. They do things like cause cancer. And that's why we're talking about not bur- having gas ranges in homes so that maybe when mommy and daddy or daddy and daddy or mommy and mommy or NB and NB parents are uh, fixing dinner for the young uns or for themselves or maybe it's a dinner party that they're not inadvertently poisoning the other people in the household. That's not a climate change thing, Stephanie Borowitz, you dipshit. That's a public health matter. But she's a, no, she's a she's a real Lulu. And I love I love how she says she doesn't say endures, she says endures, endures. I told you, it's Alabama in the middle, y'all. In Durs. It was back in 2019 when uh, Stephanie Borowitz, and see, she's been there for a while. Uh, it was the opening of the legislative session there in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And it was a historic day because on that day the first Muslim woman was sworn into office in the legislature in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. And Stephanie Borowitz uh, arranged it so she could deliver the morning prayer. Why we have prayers opening legislative sessions? Well, that remains an absolute mystery to me. But she, oh, she prayed up a storm. She, 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 she called out the name of Jesus Christ 13 times. Fuck you, St. Peter. Three, uh, deny Christ three times before the cock crowed. She called up Jesus 13 times just to pray it away there in the House of Representative Chambers. And then, seeing how a Muslim woman was being sworn into the, into the body that day, uh, she asked God to please forgive us. 
And then, uh, I, mean, uh, I think somebody wants to move to Florida. Stephanie Borowitz, among other things, last year entered, introduced uh, uh, a Pennsylvania version of the Don't Say Gay Bill and said that, well, this, this goes even further than Florida's. And she's out there barking and grunting and braying for the Secretary of Education in Pennsylvania to resign because LGBTQ inclusive curricula and other resources, resources, I don't know how, resources were featured on the Pennsylvania Department of Education site. And like I said yesterday and so many other times before, You know, you scratch you, you scratch a you, you scratch a climate change denier, and you find a homophobe. You scratch the homophobe, and you find a transphobe. You scratch the transphobe, and you find a a, a, a covidiot. So that all those Venn diagrams are just one big ugly circle, a big, ugly, smelly circle. And uh, all that has to do, and, and, and of course, these freaks will always work a little bit of, uh, of open bigotry into, into their remarks. She was opposed. She was opposed to a piece of legislation, a resolution, that would have examined how Pennsylvania handled the pandemic. Well, obviously, Pennsylvania didn't handle it at all well because they didn't they didn't tell people to wear onions in their socks or drink pint jars of their own pee-pee or rub their gums with armadillo antifungal. Jesus, these people. And again, the people who elect those people. Thank you, Chairman. We do not need a study by the same government that did this to its people. You guys are the ones who messed everything up. Now you want to study it? I will tell you what you did wrong. People died because basic medicines were withheld from them, like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and steroids. I told you. down and you shuttered them and told them who was and wasn't essential by a government, even though Governor Wolf's small business stayed open. It was tyrannical. Dr. Levin took his own mom out of a nursing home and saved her, but Notice left that. others in a nursing home unable to see their family only through windows, and some of them passed away that way. It's horrifying. You masked our kids, and we had to file a lawsuit just so they could go to school and breathe when the virus didn't even affect them. You shut down youth sports, and we had to fight with legislation to allow our kids to play sports. We tried over and over to open businesses that Democrats kept voting against each bill because Wolf kept shuttering them. You forced an experimental vaccine on people. You tried to tell us what we could, where we could go if we weren't vaccinated. One Democrat actually said, you can stay in your house, but you can't come out if you're not vaccinated. I'm not too old. To not remember these things, and we will not forget what happened. 
So no, we don't need a study from the government who actually did these things and still doesn't realize how tyrannical it was. I'm a no. Thank you, Chairman. She's a no. I'm a Libra. Uh, by the way, it, it, what did she say there? The the virus didn't even affect children? Now, from January 2020 to June 2023, 1,642 children died of COVID-19. But, well, they're, they're imaginary. And, and necessary medication was withheld. Wombat antifungal was denied, denied to Pennsylvanians who are suffering without it. And then there was the nasty little smear against Dr. Levine. Rachel Levine, yeah. She went out of her way to misgender her because Stephanie Borowitz is human garbage. That's Admiral Rachel Levine. Hun. And by the way, uh, neither ivermectin nor hydroxychloroquine decreases the number of in-hospital days respiratory dis- uh, deterioration or death. Wonder how many jars of pee-pee she's drunk. Wonder if she puts minced onion in the end, in, in, in the, in, down in the toes of her pantyhose. They walk among us, y'all. I know, I know. But we needed, you know, we we had to have a little bit of uh, prayer meeting Wednesday material and. Oh, goodness me. There she is. Or she blows. And uh, meanwhile, you know, she's a, Stephanie Borowitz is a Christian nationalist. A white Christian nationalist. Oh. Wait a minute. Let's let's check some. Uh, yeah, you're right. Well, Randy Radar says there's also radioactive radon in the natural gas. Yep. And in regard to gas stoves, Steve said banning gas stoves in New York. Yes, and if we want to ban gas stoves in our new construction, why exactly is that your fucking business, you Pennsylvania saltine? I'm pretty sure you think New York is essentially Gomorrah on the Hudson, anyway. So don't come here. What we do here has nothing to do with what you do there. Keystone Saltine. Gotta love it. Flavio, I know, I understand. I'm just so sick, Flavio says, of ignorant, stupid people calling the shots. And the thing is, I know some of those people in Congress know better. They're just exploiting the credulous. There are so many. Well, to quote the late great prophet Bill Hicks, peace be upon him, it's a good dollar. It's a really good dollar. 
Uh, hey, Tommy and Susie, get Enders. Supper's ready. Emilio. Little Tommy and little Susie. Those scamps. Yep, she was. Steve said, I was wondering if Stephanie Borowitz was the Jesus-praying lady to commemorate the first Muslim assemblywoman. Wasn't she wearing the Cracker Barrel hostess dress? I, I think she was. Cracker Barrel. You're on. That's two tonight, Steve. Maybe three. Did, I, did you get a cowbell for talking? Just stop talking. Uh, Christopher in Oregon says, a copy of Homosexual Agenda. Uh, if I am merely an ally, can I still get a copy of the Homosexual Agenda? Do I reach out to the same guy on my TV every five minutes, hawking life insurance, promising to send free information when you make this urgent call now? And it's all tax-free. Hallelujah. Uh, you are, you are uh, Christopher, you are entitled to a copy of, uh, of the, uh, uh, of the uh, Gay Agenda. The trans agenda, yes, you're absolutely uh, entitled to it. You can only have the redacted electronic version, however, because the really double-secret probation uh, gay and trans stuff, well, we wouldn't, we, 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 we no, no, that, that's... <sighs> it's not for you, Okay. But thanks for being an ally. Thank you. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, Lou doing some uh, demographic research for us, seeing as how Lou is in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, says Clinton County, Pennsylvania has less than 40,000 people in it. Asking earlier, why do we have so? Why do we have disproportionately more Bible thumpers than, say, Europe? Lower educational standards, or what multi-factor causes are there? As one person put it, the point isn't to describe and thus understand the world, but to change it. That would be Karl Marx. Of course, Mets fans are irredeemably lost souls, <laughs> but otherwise, we need to raise the levels of tolerance and rationality, i.e., elect Democrats. No redemption for Mets fans, Lou? It's okay, Kevin, in Colorado Springs. We we still love you. You're valid. Uh, and Cynthia noting earlier today... Uh, the crybaby whiner, just a quickie thought, along with the other appropriate nicknames for Trump, he should also be tagged continuously and constantly as a crybaby whiner. I mean, really, who wants to fly crying baby airlines anyway? And given that he's the crying baby, uh, Trump is crying baby airlines, Jim Shorts Jordan would be the screaming baby airlines, kind of six of one, half dozen of another. Either way, I'll skip those flights. I think you are wise, Cynthia. I wonder. I wonder if Clinton County, Pennsylvania, is. I wonder if Stephanie Borowitz's district is a single single county district. I, I don't know. 
Uh, Randy Radar said there's no redemption for Jets fans either. Wait a minute. They won this past weekend. Did they beat the Eagles? I thought I saw something like that. Oh, and thank you. Uh, Thank you to our buddy Dave in the blind. Uh, Dave had a note for us. Uh, he said, as promised, I promised you uh, I promised you, I'd let you know when things changed or improved well for the last couple of days. I've been able to keep real solid food down. Yesterday, I made a microwave pizza. Uh, thought I could eat two, but I only fixed one. Christine sent my friend Wolf to Kroger's and bought 24 of those little three-minute pizzas. Kept the one I ate down all night. Things may be on the mend. I hope everything's going well for you and your family and the rest of the Horn Community Congregation. Your buddy Dave in the Blind. Slow and steady, slow and steady wins the race, Dave. And I'll just tell you what my what my mom always told me: when you can't hold anything else down, makes no sense whatsoever. You sip it some buttermilk, and when you can, you tomato juice and saltines. It has worked for me all my life. But Dave jumped in on uh, Ralph's The Appraiser Who Didn't Do the Work Challenge, so we managed to get down from uh, 1910 to 1860, and we've got $40 left of Monday the 9th of October. 40 bucks on Monday the 9th. Is uh, uh, all but forty dollars funded? Oh, hey, we're a, a little little uh, uh, little neighborliness going on here. I uh, just heard from TJ. Hey, TJ, tell Colin hi for me, if you will. I'm in. I'm in Des Moines too. Neighbors, I love that. Colin, TJ, TJ, Colin, now we got enough for bridge. Just one second, please. Yeah, Micah said earlier, uh, COVID doesn't infect kids. News to me. Well, it's news to everybody but Stephanie Borowitz.
I'll be right back there just in a second. Okie Um No, it's it's a different spelling. Stephen New York says, I think that's that's uh, Andy Borowitz's crazy second cousin. Twice removed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't claim her if that were the case. And uh, Randy Radar reminds us, the Rona is making the rounds. My cousin and her husband have come down with it, and Stephen Colbert has it. And I have to, I have to get to the health department and get my booster. Hope they have some. I hope they have vaccine in stock. Otherwise, it's aardvark antifungal for me. No, uh, I, I mentioned. Uh, Well, a story from Vice News. A uh, an Ontario man is on trial for something that he did in 2021. His name is Nathaniel Veltman. He is 22 years old. Angry, disaffected white man. He's up on four charges of murder, one charge of attempted murder and terrorism charges. He's entered a not guilty plea. He, at one point, as they also often do, he wrote an anti-Muslim screed and then using his car he ran over five members of a family just waiting to cross the street there in Ontario. Was it Canada? I think this is Ontario somewhere. Maybe Ontario, California. He killed four members of the family and the only survivor was a nine-year-old little boy. That poor little boy. Veltman said that uh, he wanted to kill him some Muslims. But he also wanted to inspire others to murder Muslims. And then testifying yesterday, he explained how he reached the point where he decided to hunt and kill some people based solely upon their beliefs.
Ah, London, Ontario, Canada. Okay, yeah, he is Canadian. He's been testifying for five days now in Canada. It appears that the not, he's by virtue of the not guilty plea and by virtue of the fact that he doesn't deny what he did, I don't know if this is some I don't know anything about Canadian law. Uh, this might be some sort of insanity plea. I don't know. It was June the 6th of 2021, the day my little June bug was born. And Veltman was in his pick-em-up truck. And he murdered Salman Afzal, age 46, his wife, Madia Salman, 44, their 15-year-old daughter, Yumna Afzal, and Salman Afzal's 74-year-old mama, Talat Afzal. And the nine-year-old little boy survived. He was cross-examined by the Crown on Tuesday. And he said, well, he got radicalized. I consumed libertarian content, mainstream conservative content. Then I slowly started looking at some alt-right content on YouTube and then stumbled across some of the more fringe, more fringe. And he, he, he really felt a certain kinship with the great replacement theory, which is not a theory at all. It's just hate. You know, uh, testicle-toasting Tuckio Rose Carlson, man of masculine masculinity. What, I think 247 times in a month, maybe, something like that? He mentioned the Great Replacement Theory. But he named names. Veltman said in particular... He consumed a lot of content from Alex Jones. And that's where he learned that Middle Eastern wars were a conspiracy to try to bring Muslim immigration into Europe. And it linked him from Alex Jones to, you know, Nazis. He was also inspired by the man who murdered 52 Muslims in Christchurch, New Zealand in 2018... And he read that murder, murderer's screed. He called his own screed a white awakening. And he said that, uh, well, that's not really what my politics were. And he had fought his urges previously. He'd seen a Muslim family in Toronto and wanted to really stomp, step on the gas, but he decided not to. And then he was horrified at himself. So the day he committed the murders, he put on 
a military helmet, put on a bulletproof vest, a white shirt with a cross on it, you know, a crusader cross. This is a prayer meeting Wednesday story because, well, part of his defense is that he was brought up in an extremely religious home, a very Christian home, and that he had mommy issues. He will, uh, his cross-examination will continue tomorrow. You never you never have to go far, do you? And of course, Alex Jones. Well, the Sandy Hook family sued him, but he squirreled away shit tons of money, and we don't know if the Sandy Hook families will ever see a dime because we have a fetishized approach to the First Amendment. And even a stochastic terrorist like Alex Jones, who says things that he knows are not true, but portrays them as true for nothing more than money. Well, he gets to do it because Merca, the greatest country in the history of the world on earth now, today, forever, in the universe, under God, amen. But the universe ended for four human beings and the fifth human being's life was forever changed. And we'll, br- we'll blame Veltman. But Alex Jones, not so much. As Flavio says, Alex Jones, still at large, still has a show, still hasn't paid a dime to the Sandy Hook families he tormented. What a country! I know, Flavio. And, uh, oh, uh, thank you for the research. Lou says, uh, Stephanie Borowitz represents all of Clinton County and part of Union County. Gotta wonder what's wrong with those people. The ones that vote for. They just want to stick, do, do, do they, oh, I mean, that's a pretty strong coalition. You know, you got your homophobes and your transphobes. You got your anti-immigrant people, you know, your xenophobes, uh, you got your uh, climate change deniers, you got your covidiots. Probably could scrounge up a, uh, probably could scrounge up a majority out of that. Okay, um, oh, a reminder, 
try to get better about this uh, in the middle of the program thing. Like and subscribe if y'all don't care, if you're listening to the podcast. But uh, program note, uh, so far little Luna is still behaving herself. And so tomorrow and Friday, uh, the uh, brilliant and talented Tara Devlin and I will be uh, hosting the Mike Malloy program tomorrow, Friday, and probably Monday. So I hope you'll be along for that. We always have such a good time when we uh, when we do this, and we've got well, we've got Jim Shorts Jordan to kick around. We won't have Jim Shorts Jordan to kick around anymore. What's that, Emilio? Now, hold on. Really? From Alex Jones to Nazis? I'm sorry. I'm just not seeing the connection. You've gone too far, Kincaid. Dripping with sarcasm. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, Alex Jones to white nationalists. I did not see that happening. I did not see that happening. I did not see that happening. Uh, Cynthia. Uh, with uh, with regard to uh, Veltman, fry him. Oh, my. And to think I used to be a nice person, but I'm so sick of right-wing fucking murderers. Is such a brainwashed, hate-filled, murdering bigot redeemable? No. No. But he's a Christian now. Oh, wait, no, that's Joran Vandersloop. Sloat. Sloot. After... Damn near two decades. The family of Natalie Holloway finally got a, a, a subatomic amount of closure today. In federal court, Joran Vandersloot confessed to the murder of Natalie Holloway, who was 18 years old and on vacation in Aruba. And again, they're of a type. He entered a guilty plea the charges of extortion and murder today. Vandersloot, now 36, had been temporarily extradited from Peru to Alabama. He was in prison in Peru for murdering another young woman almost exactly five years after he murdered Natalie Holloway. He's been serving a 28-year sentence for the Peruvian woman's murder since 2012. He tried to extort $250,000 from uh, Beth Holloway, Natalie's mama, uh, and, and uh, he said he, he that if if she paid the quarter of a million dollars, that he would reveal the location of her daughter's 
remains. You might recall that Natalie Holloway had gone, had just graduated high school and went on a graduation trip to Aruba with some of the other kids she'd gone to school with. And he fits a type. By the way, his uh, his sentence will be served concurrently with the Peruvian sentence. If he gets out of Peru, if if he finishes his sentence in Peru before the twenty years are up on this sentence, then he will be transferred to federal prison in the United States. If he is paroled or released, he comes back to the United States as well. But he explained how and why he went about killing the uh, the young woman. Apparently, he made a sexual advance toward her, and she kicked him in the balls. He, in turn, knocked her down and kicked uh, kicked her in the face rendering her unconscious. And then he crushed her head with a cinder block because she wouldn't give him sex. What did I say at the beginning of the program? Most of the world's problems begin with horny men who feel entitled to women's bodies. There we are. I can't imagine Peruvian prisons are no I'm surprised he survived this long maybe I... but by the way yes um, he, he did say Joran van der Sloot that uh, he's a different person now because he found Jesus. Well, Jesus may forgive you, but that's the only one. Beth Holloway said, you're a killer, and I want you to remember that every time the jail cell door slams. The last time anybody saw Natalie Holloway, she was getting in a car with Vandersloat. He confessed to U.S. investigators he had killed Natalie Holloway after she repeatedly rebuffed his sexual advances on a beach near her hotel. After she kneed him in his crotch, he said he kicked her in the face, knocking her unconscious, and then picked up a huge cinder block nearby. I smashed her head in with it completely. And then took her body out and 
left it in the ocean. And then went back home and watched porn and masturbated. Beth Holloway added, Vander Sloat's confession means we finally reached the end of our never-ending nightmare. Natalie's case is closed as far as I'm concerned. It's over. But yes, uh, he had also, um, in May 2010, beaten, strangled, and suffocated Stephanie Flores. She was 21 years old and a business student in Lima, Peru. Well, you, you're right, you're right. David in South Carolina stands says, uh, I don't think Alabama prisons are resorts either. No. Uh, but bear in mind, he would not go to an Alabama state prison. And now, state prisons in Alabama, they will, uh, they'll, 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 they'll leave a person to freeze to death on a concrete floor in a, in a, in a prison cell. But he won't be going to state prison, he'll be going to federal prison. If he is released or paroled from Peruvian prison. Uh, Stephen New York says, I'm against the death penalty, but if it would happen that Beth Holloway would find herself locked in a room with that monster while he was handcuffed to a chair and a lead pipe lay nearby and the cops couldn't get the doors open for one or two minutes, I'd have a hard time being that concerned about what Miss Holloway did to him. Yeah, I'd like, you know, I some sometimes sometimes that ancient world justice just sort of <sighs> Yeah. Just give him into the custody of about 50 very angry women and see if there's anything left to bury. Kind of like uh, well, Kind of like what uh, Miss Lindsay once said about Ted Cruz. If someone murdered Ted Cruz in the well of the United States Senate, there wouldn't be a single uh, there wouldn't be a single witness to, to, to convict him. Oh, that that is uh, that's so sweet, Cynthia. Cynthia said, oh boy, yay, the Beatles and the Stones are filling in for Malloy. Count me in. <laughs> I've been accused of having Mick Jagger lips. Stop that. Um, that's true. I saw that, Cynthia. If you haven't, uh, uh, Dolly... Dolly Parton um, did a cover of Let It Be, and she had Paul and Ringo in on the performance. And frankly, Dolly did the best cover version of a Beatles song I think I've ever heard. Just beautiful. Heard it on YouTube, and if you need a break from the horrors, go look for it. Uh, yeah, I, I saw that a couple of weeks ago, and I sent it along to Miss Terry, and Miss Terry is a massive Beatles fan. And she wrote back and said, that's just beautiful. And it is. 
If you do need a little pick-me-up, yeah. Um, Dolly Parton, let it be. Uh, Matt in San Francisco says, The Rona. My husband is COVID positive. This time around, it's been pretty rough on him. I got him Paxlovid on Monday. Uh, we went the uh, in-laws. Uh, uh, we sent the in-laws away to my sister-in-laws. I still have not tested positive. We've had the virus run through the house twice. Each time after we went to a concert, the last. Please tell me it wasn't air supply, Matt. The last time my in-laws and my husband had it. This time, just the husband. Through all that, I've not come down with the virus. I would say the virus is homophobic, but the husband belies that theory. We're up to date on our shots. I need to go get the current vaccine this week, yeah. COVID booster in one arm, flu in the other, and line up for RSV later. Sorry about the air supply quip. I hope your husband wasn't listening. It's out there. It really is. I'm masking now. I got the I got the cute little sequined masks with the uh, KN95 inserts, and I change them out frequently. Wash the masks, literally lather, rinse, repeat. Yeah, Steve says a uh, question occurs to me: Is there anything Dolly can't do? No, there isn't. That woman. And uh, David in South Carolina stands says, Dolly. Dolly singing halftime for the Dallas Cowboys Thanksgiving game. What? This kind co- oh. Might actually make me watch a Cowboys game. At least John Britteville will have something to be happy about. And in fact, uh, since we're talking pop culture for a second and talking about uh, Miss Dolly, I guess she's got a new song coming out. Uh, It's called Liar. And she said she wrote it based on uh, current politics. She was on The View talking about it. You know, she, uh, they nominated her for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and she turned it down because she said she'd never had a rock and roll album. So Dolly being Dolly went out and did a rock and roll album. It's called Rockstar. Timely hit world on fire. Everything this national treasure does is larger than life, and she continues that tradition with a star studded album called Rockstar and a monumental new book 
behind the seams, my life in rhinestones. Please welcome back the fabulous Dolly Parton. You're just singing World on Fire at the Academy of uh, Country Music Awards. What inspired you to write this one? What, what was it that made you say, now is the time for this? Well, I had just finished the rock album, and I'd done about 30 songs, and Kent Wells, my producer, said, Dolly, you got to stop. We can't do every song in the rock and roll world, so we thought we were done. That very night, I went home, and I just seemed, I felt like I just got pulled out of bed. I couldn't sleep, and I thought, well, I don't know what I'm doing up, but I'm going to make me a cup of coffee, and all of a sudden... I just started singing the song because I'd watched the news the night before, and as I have many times, thinking, what in the world are we doing to each other and to this world? And so I just felt real led to write the song, and I called Kent the next morning, and I said, I've got one more song to have to <laughs> add to the rock song album. And so I, my heart was just heavy with all the stuff that I'm sure we're all uh, heavy-hearted about these days, and I was just trying to throw a little light and try to make us think a little about what we're doing and uh, seeing if we might step up and try to make a change. <laughs> well, and Dolly, you've been such a light to the world for so long, and you're about to release your 49th album, this one called Rockstar, and it's your first ever rock album. You've joined forces with the biggest artists in rock world, like Linda Perry, Sting, Steven Tyler, Pink, Brandy Carlisle, and so many more. Now, the album includes a beautiful rendition of Let It Be, which you recorded with Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, and with special guests Peter Frampton and Mick Fleetwood. What was it like to have all these icons together, and how did this come together? Well, actually, I think having all those people on the same record, especially Paul and Ringo, I mean, that's the last of the Beatles, but I'd known Paul for a while, and I'd ask him if he would sing on it, and so he said he would, and not only will he sing, he said he'd play, and I thought, yay, and then I thought, well, it'd be great to have Ringo join us, so he did, and so then I think Mick... Uh, Fleetwood was in the studio when Ringo was putting his drums down. And then Peter Frampton, I think, was in the studio with Paul. And they just kind of at being friends and musicians. So all of a sudden, I've got all these great people on this one great song that we all love, Let It Be. And so that one just turned out to be a magical thing altogether. Wow. Well, Dolly, your beautiful new book is out, and it's all about fashion. I see some of the fashion surrounding you right now. Um, it's a beautiful book. There are tons of photos of your wardrobe from performances, appearances, roles you've played over the decades, and then the stories behind them, which is really special, and the sparkles all over them. And it's called Behind the Seams, My Life in Rhinestones. Now, you say that you had a strong sense of your own style very early on, but that not not everyone around you growing up really understood your vision, which led to a very serious pushback or some very serious pushback. Who did that come from? Well, even from my early, early days, I was one of those girls that wanted to wear tight clothes and makeup <laughs> and big hair because I... I'd been influenced by the town Vibe. tramp in our town, and I, I didn't know I didn't know she was trash. I just thought she was beautiful because she had all the stuff I'd hoped to have when I grew up. So I just kind of had that picture in my mind of how I wanted to look, you know, with more. Uh, when they say less is more, that did not apply to me. I couldn't get enough. Of 
anything or everything still can't. But I just always liked being colorful. I liked wearing makeup and being noticed. And I just felt comfortable in clothes, the, the what kind of clothes I wore then and, and still do. I like, I like to kind of show it off. <laughs> oh, I love that. Dolly, in the Own book, it. you write about your love of makeup and how resourceful you were at making sure you could wear some as a kid. Now, you couldn't just go to a Sephora. What did you do instead? Well, there's lots of berries and things that grow in the wild. <laughs> Honeysuckle, you can mash up these for perfume. Burn kitchen matches that you can make eyebrows. You strike them, let them go out, wow, then lick wow. them and make eyebrows and beauty marks and eyeliner. And I would use poke berries for lipstick and uh, flour for powder. Dolly, no, not the poke berries. I was a little child uh, <laughs> when I would play in the makeup. So I just always wanted to... Be radiant, I reckon. <laughs> well, Dolly, your good friend Reba McIntyre was talking to our friend Andy Cohen last week, and she said if she wants to reach you, she needs to send you a fax. Is that still your preferred method of communication? Well, actually, I don't want to get into that world. I'm, I'm surrounded by enough people. Kenny Rogers used to <laughs> aggravate about it. I said, look, you know, I'll send you a message by carrier pigeon if I need to get in touch with you. And you always seem to know how to reach me when you want something. So I actually, I never did get into the, to getting involved in all that because it would take up too much of my time if I talked to everybody that's trying to get in touch with me. So I just say, hey, fax me. Ask me or call me, and I'll call you back. <laughs> I love that thinking. Call me on the telephone. I can deal with that. Dolly, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. You know, when you come back to New York, if you come this direction, come see us in person and sit at the table with us. I think you would have a great time, and we'd love to have you. Oh, I'd love to come sit around the table. We've done that before. I feel very welcome, and I feel very much a part of it. So I wish I had time to do that right now. But you know me. I'm always, always promoting on something. The I know. <laughs> always on the run. Always on the run. But I love all of you, and I appreciate you for uh, talking about my book. You know, we're always the, and my rock album. I'm a rock <laughs> well, star. We, we about How's that? that? <laughs> Her book, Behind the Seams, My Life in Rhinestones, is available now. Her new album, Rockstar, comes out November 17th. And we, of course, will be... Wow. Just... <sighs> yeah. Um, Stephen New York said, I'd pay to see a Dolly Parton halftime show at the Super Bowl, and it would likely be worth watching for once. I know. And, of course, you know, my, my annual... Crying, <laughs> crying my seltzer. It's not beer anymore. My annual crying my seltzer song at Christmas every year is Hard Candy Christmas. Oh. Um, yes, thank you, Ralph. Serving as the Dolly Parton halftime Cowboys Thanksgiving Day game um, ad hoc correspondent research department. Um, she will, in fact... play at the uh, Dallas Cowboys Thanksgiving Day game at AT&T Stadium. And she did a, she even did an Instagram post with her in Cowboys color, the blue and the white and the silver.
good on her. And, you know, they use that term, national treasure, and she is. But every time I hear the term national treasure, I hate the way my brain works. Every time I hear the term national treasure, I think of uh, Tom Hartman referring to Phyllis Schlafly as a national treasure. I, I think I think that kind of devalues the term, and thank God Dolly's out there to uh, give it back its sparkle. And so now, halfway through the program, with $40 to go to uh, get fully funded for Monday the 9th of October and start on Tuesday the 10th, um, I guess it's time we deal with the deal with the, the the congressional shenanigans. Tara and I were messaging back and forth earlier, to, yeah, and and it's, it's so you know just saying, ping, and I look and it's Tara going uh, Tara saying, "Are you watching this shit?" And I said, "Yeah." Why 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 do they have Steve Kornacki on MSNBC doing the horse race coverage? These people, these people are inept. Oh, um, oh uh, going back, uh, uh, Matt in San Francisco answered a question. The concert was Ann Wilson of Heart with her new band, uh, Trip Sitter. There is no place I would rather be than an, at an Ann Wilson concert. Dolly has a duet with her on her new rock album. I must confess, I looked around and noticed that the crowd was a bunch of old people. I thought, since when has Ann Wilson's fan base been so old? And then I looked in the mirror and said, oh, yeah. I'm old now. I qualify. I hate it when that happens. I know. And, Do- you know, she wrote a book on fashion, but Dolly could do a book on what? Um, physical fitness. 77 and probably could... Uh, outplay, outperform, and outlast performers a third her age. Well, Matt, I just I, I I hope I hope your husband gets better quickly. And I don't know. Get him some roses and an air supply album or something. Tell him we love him. Now, back to the Congress. Back to the House of... It's not even the House of Rep... It's just that... It's, 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 it's the House of Dysfunction. It's... I'm, I'm trying to think of a TV family that is... Dysfunctional... A dysfunctional equivalent. Jim Jacketoff Jordan who had 24 hours of thereabouts to sort out the next ballot after having a sick burn levied at him by Nancy. I think they're learning how to count votes right now, she said. They need to work on their math. He, he had... 
he had almost a full day to try to make matters wor- better, but instead he made matters worse. The entire House Democratic contingent voted as a block. Hakeem Jeffries got 212 votes. Instead of yesterday's 20 people refusing to vote for Jacket Off, today it was 22. And Jacket Off Jordan didn't get the 200 votes he got yesterday. Today he got 199. And it was the first time in over a hundred years that the majority party's nominee dropped below the 200 number. And when it happened the last time, there were only 365 members in the House of Representatives. And a, a maggot from Georgia by the name of Mike Collins uh, went on social media and said, Well, Representative Hakeem Jeffries has lost his 17th straight vote for Speaker. I don't think he... Atne Ute Eitbray, that Mike Collins is, if you own a what I mean, may. And Don Byer of Virginia told him to sit down Hakeem Jeffries got more votes for Speaker on this ballot than any Republican the 13th time he has. Ouch. Uh, Actor Billy Baldwin said the GOP shit show rambles on, wreaking havoc wherever it goes. John Pavlovitz said there's an old saying, when the horse is dead, dismount. The idea of Jim Jordan and any other extremist maggot Republican as speaker needs to be put down. For America's safety and progress, Hakeem Jeffries will lead with wisdom and decency. And Katie Fong. Ouch, again, over at MSNBC. Posted a picture of Jacket Off with his jacket off and short, short sleeve shirt. And no jacket, no gavel, no service. No jacket, no gavel, no goddamn cattle. Twice in two days we had an opportunity to use that. And so Tara was watching the MSNBC coverage. I was over at C-SPAN. I was kind of wondering if I would hear from either Todd or Steve... Pedro drew the short straw today, y'all. And he did. Now this is something this was you know, this is like one at one thirty, two o'clock in the afternoon. And one would think the cranky uh, the cranky old maggots meds would have kicked in by now, but oh no, 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 no. Mm-mm. Not mm-mm. No, he, uh, Pedro had to sit there and listen to the crazy. Call in and call in and call in. 
And I don't know how you necessarily pick out a uh, a craziest, but I heard a, I, I heard I heard a couple who were top shelf. Uh, this uh, this one particular uh, caller to the Republican line was well an exemplar of the mindset of the morning and afternoon. My call, bless you. Republican line, Lois is in Staten Island, New York. Lois. Yes, hello. Okay, first off, everyone applauds the Democrats for being locked up. They have a hive mentality. Second, they are like lemons also going over the cliff. Lemons? Now, while I'm not happy about the vote taking so long, I do support Jim Jordan over Jeffries because Jeffries is a communist. Uh Now, look what the Democrats have given us. Two conflicts, inflation... Okay, uh, high gas prices. Well, when it comes to Republicans on Capitol Hill, they can't center around a speaker. Is the issue with them? Uh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Pedro, honey, you missed one. The Democrats have given us two conflicts? Is she talking about Afghanistan and the Iraq? Did I miss the big breaking news story where sometime in 2002 or so George W. Bush became uh, decided to ditch the Republican Party and become a Democrat? Oh, Lois, Lois, Lois. I don't think this is Lois Lane. Say that again, I couldn't hear you. Republicans on Capitol Hill can't send around a speaker. Do they have an issue or do you think that's a concern? There's one word that you're saying that I'm missing. Republicans on Capitol Hill can't center around a speaker. Do you think that's a concern? Uh, Yes, but it also shows that quite capable of independent thinking. Okay, now, I don't care if they elect Satan. Jeffries is a communist. And while they have very negative things to say about... Pedro, Pedro, honey. Jeffries is a communist, and you're just going to... See, this is why I can't get up in the morning and do what Steve and Todd do. I cannot get up in the morning and watch Washington Journal. I'm I'm trying to be a very good girl and, you know, lean, uh, live the bright-eyed and bushy-tailed life. I don't know how... I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't make it to my morning coffee without being wasted out of my head if I was listening to this on a daily basis. Y'all are strong. Jim, Hakeem Jeffries is a communist. And if she says it earnest enough, it will be true. But Pedro just lets it sail right over his head. Water off a duck's back, right? Yeah, that's right. Reach down there, grab the bottle. Once the camera's not on you, take a good slug and soldier on, Pedro. Republican voters, for me, I find Democrats high-functioning morons. 
They can hold a job, but they can't think. Okay, that's uh, Lois there in New York, NBC's Scott Wong. My call, bless you. Republican line. Yeah, no, Lois. I hope. Yeah, I, 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 I hope somebody, I hope somebody in her family checks in on Lois. The poor thing watches that entire clown show and comes away with the Democrats or the morons. Honestly, she said the Republicans could could elect uh, could elect Satan and she'd be okay with it because Hakeem Jeffries is a communist. Lois, Satan is a reasonably competent imaginary devil. He wouldn't get within a thousand miles or light years of this gang of Republicans. I swear to God, I one of these. I expect to tune in the next time, and, and I will. I will finally see a Republican, a member, a maggot there in the House of Representatives picking their teeth with their toenail clippings. They'll have the shoes off, the sock will be off, and you know, dig it away there. A little popcorn hole. Ah! I know, Ralph. Oh my God, she keeps saying communist over and over again. Well, she says it enough. You're communist, communist, communist. You know, Hakeem Jeffries will appear right there in her living room. See, I told you. Those poor people. It's just been a horrible day. It's been a horrible day. Uh, for poor Jim. No, no sympathy. Jim, jack it off, Jordan. Uh, uh, somebody over on Shitter said, uh, "Hilarious! Jim Jordan isn't winning speakership because many Congress members think he think he's an asshole." Both parties. So what's his strategy? To be an even bigger asshole and try to strong arm Republican no votes. Amazing political work, sir. And then there was Midas Touch. You don't have the votes. You don't have the votes. <laughs> I, honestly, I felt. You know, you know who I felt sorry for. Mrs. Jordan, and the Jordan kids. Can you imagine what a shitbird he must be coming through the door after a day like he had today? Honey, I don't want any of that woke hamburger helper. And I don't want any I don't want any of your weaponized meatloaf either, honey. What a schmuck. They, they really, 
His own party hates him. But look, I got to thinking earlier today. This is one of those, and I've been saying this for a while, hoping, you know, that maybe we can get some consensus on this. They don't want a speaker. They want a shutdown. They're still pouting the worst of the maggots that the government isn't already shut down. Now, we have calculated the number of actual days they have in which to get any damn work done. Tomorrow will be the last day this week. We counted these off. Let's count them again. Haul up the little calendar. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Thirteen days. Thirteen actual days. They ha- and and so here's the thing. How many ballots did it take? Craven McCarthy to become Speaker of the House. Wasn't that 15 ballots? Jim Jacketoff Jordan has had two ballots and has been more humiliated than Craven McCarthy ever was. So that's two. There are 13 days left. That's 15. And then the government shuts down. If they do one ballot a day like they did yesterday and and today. Then speakerless, the government will shut down. You know, if what I, if what if what I suspect turns out to be true, I just hope that somebody somewhere will go, "Oh, the hillbilly woman, she saw this shit coming from a mile away." Let's get her on the air. I admit it. I want to go on Morning Joe. I know. But we all have dreams. (sighs) But that's what they want. And now they're 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 going to play this stupid game about empowering uh, Patrick uh, Patrick McBowtie, who doesn't appear to like even being Speaker Pro Tem. But they, 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 there's talk of passing some sort of a rule change that'll let, that will let Patrick McHenry pretend to be the speaker. Remember, he started out pretending to be the speaker, throwing Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer out of their offices when he did not have the power so to do. Hmm? So we're it's 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 like playing baseball when when you didn't have enough to field a team and you gotta 
You got a ghost speaker on first and a ghost speaker on th- on third. This gang would ground a would 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 ground her a double play a ghost a ghost double play. They're hopeless. Uh, Cynthia says, um, Earth to stupid, brain-dead, brainwashed idiot. She has no idea what a communist is. Meanwhile, she loves her some fascists. There's got to be another planet I can escape to. Not Mars with Elon, though. No, who wants to be an indentured, indentured, servant, uh, indentured servant to Leon Scum in exchange for oxygen? I know, Cynthia. Sigh. I, I see. I, I have. I think I have a better solution. Send them to a different planet and let us get back to work on this one. Send Stephanie Borowitz off to uh, uh, be the uh, I don't know French-made ingenue in Leon Scum's beach house on Mars. Send the rest of them, and then you know we'll fix this otherwise nice little world we have. Uh, communist Stephen New York says, "I don't begrudge Pedro for just letting that nutball talk. Nobody thinks Lois knows what a communist is." C- Cynthia on the left coast and Steve on the right, and they m- had a Vulcan mind meld moment. Lois don't know what a communist is. I'd rather have her vent on there than using her freedom protector to vent. But it would have been fun to hear him say to her, "What is a communist, Lois?" Or even better would have been this. Is he a Leninist communist, Lois? A Chinese communist? A Soviet communist? A Marxist communist? And if he's a Marxist communist, is he a Harpo, Zeppo, Groucho? Or Yes. You're, you're not wrong, David, in South Carolina, Stan. Working for Vlad, the GOP, works for Vlad. Oh, yeah. The maggots are his bitch, bitches. Uh, David added, uh, Jim Shorts apparently only has that one yellow necktie. Well, you know, he also has a urine-colored snake flag, too, I'm, I'm sure. It's probably, probably, uh, Jacket Off and Mrs. Jordan probably have a urine-colored snake flag duvet. There's a horrifying thought. This would be funny, Steve says, if the GOP could elect a temporary speaker, but not a real one. So I wonder if they're going to have another ballot tomorrow. They can't do a damn thing now. They're they're in a constructive shutdown as it is. Again, which is the point? And Darlene points out, I heard that. Someone in the Ultra Maggots wanted John Boner as speaker. <laughs> yeah. The Honorable John Boner of Ohio. We don't even know if he's in Ohio. He's, he's, he's toddling around with a cigarette hanging off his lip and a, 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 a pre-roll in his pocket and his shirt pocket and, a, and, and you know, 
a, 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 bo- a you know a box of a box of ripple there on the on the console in the RV. What a world! Yeah. Uh, uh, Arnold with a note uh, Trump couldn't get elected to the speakership either then, yes? So many of them feel this way you know, the communist business Jim Jacket off Jordan Arnold because he never wears his jacket because he's engaging in protest against the women folk getting to wear pants or some such Hence, he is Jim Jacket Off Jordan. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, John Boner, Steve says, I thought I'd read no joke that he's a lobbyist for some hemp interest group. He is. He's a weed lobbyist. No. I just think we need to make weed legal in the United States. <laughs> this makes me sad thinking about. <laughs> That's his lobbying style. Go in and go in and cry and drink Thunderbird. And even the man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells is beginning to get a little doomy. He may be he may be spiraling. He didn't he didn't handle it at all well today. Montana maggot Matt Rosendale. Uh, he came on to talk with Steve. Steve-O, Steve-Arino, Stevie Three Shirts. And I, I thought those two were going to need an intervention. Well, if you go back backwards on the first vote, how do we how do we how do we then regain momentum? I think that you go. Uh, th- this is going to be a Jim Jordan call. I think he needs. To, it will be identified who the people are. Okay, that voted against him. I think he needs to take those folks into the room. Okay, not a big conference, not everybody holding hands. But hasn't been even a struggle session for those people? For those people. But he did that, that was his theory of the case last night, and that didn't work. We're going in reverse. But I don't think that he actually took the people specifically that voted against him and got in a room with them. My God. That's where where it's got to be. 202-225-3121. Make sure your voice is heard. Today's the day. This is a fight we've wanted for a long time. So th- this gets down to reality. All the folks out there say you've always wanted a limited government or you want fiscal responsibility. You're not going to get it until you take the trenching tool and dig out what they call the cardinals here. Exactly. Richard. You're not going to receive change if you don't make change. Maybe he needs one of those nickel squirters so he can make change. This gets down to reality, he said. I think that's the problem. They can't deal with reality. 
They can't handle reality. But I come back to it time and again. By the way, uh, uh, David in South Carolina stands as uh, Merlot. It's Merlot on a golf cart with the goblet. John Boner Clue. What an operation. I think that's as close as uh, Stevie Three Shirts can get to saying, what a, bu- what a bunch of maroons. What a non-com poop. And hold up the, the card with the screw and then the card with the ball. It's just, it's, it is, it's, it's amazing to behold, but it's also terrifying. And none of this makes any sense, and uh, none of this makes any sense outside of this theory that what they really want is to not have a speaker. They would rather not have a House of Representatives that's able to function than to have the House of Representatives actually do its constitutionally mandated job. And this business with Patrick McHenry. The Constitution says, the, all the Constitution says, is that the House of Representatives shall have a speaker. There's no provision in the, in the Constitution for an interim speaker or a demi-speaker or a proto-speaker, or a speaker-in-waiting. No, just speaker. And this is the gang that's all about the originalism, right? And so I saw questions being asked of uh, Steny Hoyer earlier today. Well, uh, could, I think some of your members are looking at the reporter. I think some of your members are looking for a sign from y'all that it would be okay to support Patrick Henry. Why? This is their baby. Let them bath it. They come if they if they have a compromise, they need to go to the Democrats with it. Because what AOC said was true. Back when they back when they bounced out the Craven McCarthy, we're not their mommy. It's not our job to save them. But they're still they're still they're still selling that bullshit. Oh, the Democrats did this to us. Oh, really? AOC filed the motion to vacate? Sorry, under the rules, she couldn't. That motion to vacate was filed by by members of the Republican Party. They wanted this. And every day that this goes on, it just gets worse for the Republicans. 
and the Biden 18, such as they are called, well, they're as useless as a screen door on a submarine. That's the thing. There's 20, there are 22 people, and five of them, just five, not even 25%. Just five of them could pull this country out of uh, out of the soup. Are there deals to be made? Those Biden eighteen look at them and say, "Listen, uh, we'll reach out to the we'll we'll, re- we'll reach out to the the county and district executives, the state the state parties, and say, leave these leave these fuckers alone.'" It apparently won't work. Ah, Jude with an observation about jacket off. Jim Jordan wears that white crumpled shirt, tie loosened with sleeves rolled up unevenly. He sets into motion the preparation for the brawl. Oh yeah, because he's a wrestler. He's a fighter on the wrestling mat, just like Elise Stupidnik said. Stephen New York says, I'm very skeptical of the notion that Russia controls the GOP, except in any coincidental or cursory manner. However, the scenario going on now makes me really think, uh, uh, wonder, no speaker means that we as a country are paralyzed to respond to any Russian shenanigans, whether that's in Syria, Ukraine, or anywhere else. Or maybe him... You know, maybe Pootie buying him some Hamas. Those numbered Swiss bank accounts are awfully convenient sometimes. I'm not that skeptical, Steve. Because, again, we've come back to it again and again and again. When the servers were hacked... The Democratic emails and Democratic data was given to WikiLeaks and Julian Assange and that gang. But the RNC server was hacked too. And there's never been a lick of information come out of there. And you got to know that it was absolutely just a shit swamp. And that whoever has that data has tons and tons and tons of compromat on any number of Republican members of the House and Senate. Uh, Oh, by the way, one less Republican voter in Florida, a uh, big-time donor for both Nitwit Nero and Ron Monkey up to Klantis. Got into it. Uh, So this will, yeah, here we go again. Got into it with his wife, 72-year-old Steve Alembic. 
at the Burger Fi Eatery in Delray Beach, Florida on October 10th. We may have actually even talked about this. He shot his wife in the arm. She fled into the Burger Fi, uh, bleeding. And he, Steve Olympic, sat in the car and uh, saved the uh, saved the people of Boca Raton the cost of a trial. Steve Olympic, of course, had said. Uh, in the past, he had referred to uh, President Barack Obama as a Muslim, mm, you know, the word with all the same letters as ginger. And he also uh, got his racism out on uh, the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg. He said, I grew up in New York in the 50s. We were the K-word for a person who's Jewish. They were the N-words. They were the Goyim. Those were the, and, and those were the S-word for Hispanic people. In 2018, Steve Olympic said, Ruth Bader Ginsburg can't die soon enough. Miami Herald said that he had given... Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, both to monkey up to Clantis and to Julius Geezer's campaigns. After Nitwit Nero's declaration that there were very fine people at Charlottesville, he put on a garish uh, red, white, and blue flag suit and pulled 400 people together down at Magaloco. And said that uh, the charities pulled their support of the event. And he just, I picked up the phone. I called Mar-a-Lago. They think I'm calling to cancel some other gala or some event. And I said, no, I'd like to come here and show our support for the President of the United States. And, of course, tried to murder his wife. And, blew, and then blew his own maggot brains out. And I think it was Laura Looney who uh, referred to, uh, who posted something about how he'd had a troubled life. The long knives really do appear to be out for Jim Jacket off Jordan. Steve Scalise was nominated by a couple of people. No, seven people, I think, today. Seven people nominated Steve, uh, Steve Scalise, or voted for Steve Scalise, that is. And uh, 
you know, Steve, Steve Scalise knows a little bit about the judicial process. Remember, Jim Jacketoff Jordan has been in Congress for 16 years and has never passed a single bill. Not even a stop sign on Maple Street. In fact, Jacketoff had asked Steve Scalise to be the nominator today. And now, uh, now people who uh, watch that dynamic are saying, huh, looks like uh, the Pillsbury Proud Boys hanging Jim out to dry. Members outside of the immediate Jordan team have suggested that the Scalise allies are actively whipping with the tacit approval of Steve Scalise. Attacking members and laying the blame anywhere but your own feet when you're 20 votes down shows you don't know the first thing about bridging divides, One, uh, according to one senior maggot aide. This is 2013 Jim Jordan all over again, and it shows he's not mature enough to lead the conference. <laughs> not mature enough. Well, you may you may be right, Arnold. Arnold said this is all because tits and beer Republicans don't want a functional government. Not, not wrong. And they really haven't. They haven't done a very good job presenting him to the American people. Now John Fetterman has uh, offered up some yay. John Fetterman has offered up some observations. Looking at his phone... Fetterman noted, entertainment is not governance. That's what they believe over there. And interestingly, uh, you know, they, they call the they call the role alphabetically, and they only had to get to the letter G, the seventh letter in the alphabet. Out of 26 letters. They only had to get to the letter G before it became apparent that Jacketoff Jordan was not going to be speaker. Uh, John Fetterman said, it's just, it's time to just do their job. And whoever it's going to be, they need to get it together so we can deliver the kind of aid, whether in Israel or even on the border uh, border as well. You know, do your job and let's just get it done. And, of course, the flag was falling because John Fetterman was wearing a hoodie. Oh, the decorum. 
entertainment is not governance, and that's what they believe over there. And you know, it's time to just do their job, and whoever it's going to be, they need to get it together. So we can deliver the kind of aid that, that we need in Ukraine, whether in Israel, or, or even on the border as well, too. You know, do their job, and let's just get it done. You know, entertainment. Smart man. But will they? Are they gonna? Anybody running off to place a bet? Yeah, you're right. David in South Carolina stands says, our middle school elections were more professional than these GOP speaker contests. I know. But then again, if you don't want a speaker, if you're rather enjoying the de facto shutdown that, that, that you're engaging in and you're working toward having the real thing, this is great. Rumors out that one maggot might be interested in the job. Michigan's Jack Bergman may be nominated, according to a report in Politico, relying on a report in the Detroit Free Press. He's still a maggot, Bergman is. And Bergman is also a 2020 election denier. He even tried to, he even voted, he failed, but he voted to reject Arizona and Pennsylvania's results in the 2020 election. Uh, Bergman's spokes creep is James Hogg. If, as a conference we see, he can't get the necessary votes to become Speaker, General Bergman is prepared to step up. The General isn't seeking to climb the ladder, only steady it in a time of chaos, and would only seek to be Speaker for the remainder of the 118th Congress. Oh, and by the way, Jacket Off supporters have been doxing the 20 who voted against him and threatening their wives. Jordan says he'll go ahead and, 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 and persist in his candidacy. But some Republicans are saying, hey, that 22, that could become 24, 25. He's a bully. Yeah, general. I don't know if that former attorney general or maybe he was a real general general or maybe he ran a general store, Ralphs. I'm not sure. Make no mistake about it, Steve says. As satisfying and even funny as this is, this is serious shit with some serious implications. Our government is paralyzed to act in any way. Yes, I know. Yeah, maybe, you know, we, because some people in our community have given Nancy Pelosi and others shit for saying we need a responsible Republican Party. Maybe she's smarter than we are. Because these maggots are not responsible. These maggots are what happens when you ask the 
don't ask it question, what could possibly be worse than the teabaggers? Ta-da! Nobody asked what could be worse than the maggots, okay? Because the answer to that is out-and-out Nazis. But here we are. The maggots were born of the teabaggers. The teabaggers were born of the John Birchers. The John Birchers were born of the Klan. And they just keep getting worse because they become more nativist, more nationalist, more racist, more bigoted. Because, again, it sells back home. Lois in Staten Island loves voting for these clowns. And it's exhausting. Christopher, thank you. Christopher just jumped in. Thanks again, Robin. Thank you, Christopher. We got 30 bucks to go now to be finished fundraising with uh, Monday, October the 9th. Thank you, Christopher. So that takes us down to, uh, let's see, yeah, 1830. So again, thank you. Thanks for being there, reaching out through Venmo. Much obliged. But, no, Steve's right. This is dangerous shit. Russia Part 2, I understand, Steve says, where you're coming from. However, I've grown extremely skeptical of anything I can't see or touch or doesn't come from a non-U.S. news source. I just look at the behavior. And the reason it wound up 22 uh, votes against non, non-Jordan votes today instead of 20 um, Scott Wong over at NBC News uh, reported this afternoon Jordan backers have been sending text messages to Don Bacon's wife He went on and said, Representative Carlos Jimenez of Florida says in a phone call with Jim Jordan, he raised concerns about robocalls in his district targeting his opposition to Jordan. I told him, I don't really take well to threats. Jackie Alemany at the Post said, uh, uh, Steve Womack of Arkansas declared, in no uncertain terms, the opposition against Jordan is profound. She said, he notes that the people who are against Jordan do not want anything but are opposed to him on principle. He also says Jordan's tactics have massively backfired. John Rutherford of Florida, also from uh, Jackie Alemany, echoing Womack, placed the blame for the threats to him, staff, 
wives, etc., squarely on Jordan. He's absolutely responsible for it. And look, it doesn't work. No one likes to have their arm twisted. Then there was Representative Kay Granger. She's the chair of appropriations. She's a maggot from Texas. She said Steve Scalise is an honorable man. (coughs) I don't know how she said that with a straight face. And has earned my vote for speaker, even though he was a pal of David Duke and talked to the went and addressed the Klan and stuff. This was a vote of conscience, and I stayed true to my principles. That includes supporting a man who palled around with with a grand wizard. Intimidation and threats will not change my position. You see, that's the thing. They can get all high-minded like this about being arm-twisted by Jim Jordan. But in the final analysis, <laughs> uh, when, when, when your alternative to that is a clan-adjacent dude, I don't think you're going to be getting your laurels anytime soon. Yesterday, uh, Representative Jen Kiggins of Virginia put up a video in which she pointed out how the minority of the majority in the House are doing what they're doing. And she said, I will never regret standing up for the military and for doing what's right for Virginia's 2nd District. I was a helicopter pilot in the new United States Navy. Threats and intimidation tactics will not change my principles and values. Still a Republican, though. Uh, Regarding Lois, Steve says, I wonder what Lois will do when she doesn't get her Social Security check and doesn't have the funds to get her lucky strikes. Well, then she'll smoke Sonomas or USA Golds. But the, 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 these, the, you know, the, the Jordan's little maggot, uh, maggot brown shirts. Uh, they're just doing what they do. They, they're doing what maggots do. Enter Representative Marionette Miller Meeks. Who voted against Jacket Off Jordan? Olivia Beavers reported for Politico today that she's re- that that uh, Representative Marionette Miller Meeks has received credible death threats, and that it's under investigation by law enforcement. She started out, uh, Miller Meeks did, she started out voting for Jim Jacket off Jordan. But then she changed her vote in a later round. Uh, naturally, Jordan's spokes creep came out after the Politico story about the threats against Miller Meeks. and said, 
This is abhorrent and has no place in civil discourse. No one should receive threats, and it needs to stop. We have condemned these actions repeatedly. It is important that Republicans stop attacking each other and come together. (laughs) Not over your boss, spokes creep. And even that life support system for a haircut, the Hannity job. The dumbest man in talk radio. Or television. Has been trying to whip votes for Jim Jacket off Jordan. Because it would be, it would be a good dollar for Fox News TV Radio Rwanda. Because that's how it all works. It's all about the dollar. Uh, Divide and conquer. David says, uh, this strategy of divide and conquer obviously predates Vlad. However, it is still in play. Follow the dark money. NRA, etc. Russia is very good at this. And uh, I mentioned earlier that the Republican, uh, it's the Republican governance group led by Dave Joyce of the Buckeye State, who plans apparently to introduce a measure, a privileged motion, to compel the House to vote on a resolution within two legislative days. Not sure if that's happened. They want to empower Patrick McHenry as Speaker Pro Tem. Uh, according to Joyce, so we can take care of our ally Israel until a new Speaker is elected. Oh. <clears throat> Meanwhile, poor, poor Ukraine sitting over there going, Hello? We're actually fighting for democracy and freedom over here? Uh, In the statement, Joyce said, after two weeks without a Speaker of the House and no clear candidate with 217 votes in the Republican conference, it is time to look at other viable options. But is it viable? Is it constitutional? Now, the Constitution is clear that the House and Senate may make their own rules. But you can't do business without a speaker. Patrick McHenry is not a speaker. And so how can you introduce the motion? Because if that was the case, somebody could get fun, clever, and introduce a motion to expel both George Santos and Matt Gates. And that damn thing might pass with a two-thirds majority.
Then the number would be reduced by two. The number of required votes would be reduced by two. And some of the pirates might get in line. Um, thank you to little Kenley. Kenley's uh, uh, down there, uh, Kenley being the... Uh, uh, the new fur baby of uh, Steve, uh, brother, brother Bishop Steve from Georgistan, all-around great guy, and Ms. Karen. Kenley's out in, in, in investigating, rooting around in the yard, and uh, came up with uh, 10 bones, so we're down to 20 bucks. 18.20 the total, down to 20 bucks to go to finish off fundraising for uh, Monday, October the 9th. Thank you. Little Kenley. Kenley's a good baby. Kenley's such a sweetheart. Mm. Uh, Steve says, uh, the magic cape. What? Excellent coverage of the non-functioning house. Your magic cape that you donned Monday night when I voiced my concerns and asked for your insight must be glowing. I think you're spot on with your observation that they do not want a functioning government. They keep stating that Kevers kept on with repeated rounds of votes, but the difference is Kevers was trending in the right direction. Why would they keep running Jacket off when he's going the wrong way? What's it going to take for the maggots on the right to realize these right-wing fools cannot govern? That's the thing. I, I heard I heard some reference to uh, moderate Republicans in the House joining with uh, the Democrats on something. Find them. I mean, this is... Uh, this is oh, I always forget his name. Demosthenes, one of those old Greeks, uh, wandering around with a lantern, looking for one just man. The la- the, the 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 oil in the lamp would go out before he found uh, one wandering around among the Republican majority. <sighs> And uh, Steve in New York notes, Speaker-ish McHenry, Speaker-ish. This is the ish, the 118th Congress will prove to be the ish Congress. You had George Anthony DeVolder. Emperor Ming the Merciless Santos. It takes me a minute to come up with it. Sorry. Out there being Jew-ish. And now Patrick McHenry is going to be Speaker-ish. Steve says it's not constitutional. Nobody would have standing to challenge it. And a little good news. Steve says later on Wednesday, Biden told reporters he had spoken to the Egyptian president, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, who had agreed to reopen the Rafah crossing to allow 20 trucks with humanitarian aid supplies to enter Gaza. Biden said roads near the border would need repairs, but that aid could begin reaching the territory by Friday. Thank you, Ralph, serving as the hairy old Greek philosopher, Horn Ad Hoc Research Department, Diogenes. Flavio wants to know, how can you forget Diogenes? Oh, Flavio... My poor little brain is 
full to busting. And for some reason or another, he, poor, poor Diogenes just gets lost in the shuffle. Thales of Miletus, I've got. Pythagoras, I'm good on. Socrates, what is love? Socrates, what is truth? Socrates, what is beauty? None of you ever said Socrates. Hemlock is poison. Sure, I'll drink it. Let's get Socrates. He'll drink anything. Aristotle, Euripides, Aristophanes. Diogenes just goes begging. Which, in a way, is what Diogenes was doing anyway. And, uh, oh, David in South Carolina, Stan, thank you. Uh, we're now, we've actually started working on funding for Tuesday, the 10th of October now. So, yay! That's for all of you who have helped make sure that last Monday, the 9th, Monday week, we're fully funded for that now. Thank you. And what is this? I'm sorry. I guess we'll just call this the gossip portion of the program. Um, Bishop Willard said something about melanoma in his new book. Uh, Bishop Willard. Speaking to McKay Coppins in his new, in the biography, he said uh, that he went to a New England Patriots game, Bishop Willard did, with his son and Julius Geezer. And it was back before Nitwit Nero married melanoma, but melanoma was also there. And Trump being Trump bragged that I've got the most desirable girlfriend in New York. The quote from Romney, A Reckoning, actually reads, Trump sidled up to Romney's son, Josh, and pointed to a leggy brunette across the room. Have you seen my girlfriend, Melanie? He asked, smirking. When I drop her, the phone is going to ring off the hook. Every guy in New York wants to go out with her. Every guy in New York probably already had. I'm going to say something horrible. She's like the Union Pacific Railroad. She's been laid all over this land. Ah! Oh, Robin, that was awful. So when that story came out in the book, uh, somebody actually read it down at Magaloco. Mittens is a loser who's retiring because he knows he doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of surviving another campaign. That was a Trump spokesperson in response to a request for comment from Rolling Stone. He should stop lying and creating fake stories in order to stay relevant. The fact is he dropped the ball when he ran against Barack Obama and is partially responsible for the mess America is in. (laughs) 
Wow. Uh, Romney went on to say when he first met Marcus Horalius back in January of 1995, such simpler times. He said Trump wasn't really a businessman at all, but accepted the celebrity real estate developer's invitation with an expectation of a memorable, low-stakes, and deeply weird experience. He was not above gawking at famous people. Romney wasn't. And he wasn't disappointed. He described a surreal scene at Magaloco where staffers lined up in uniform to greet him and Trump behaved like a cartoon character who strutted around the estate like an English lord and boasted that the family who sold the resort to him had left behind a drawer full of gold-colored silverware. The silverware is worth more than I paid for the house. Nitwit Nero told Bishop Willard. I'm going to make a fortune on this place. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and some anonymous help. We are now down to uh, uh, 1,755 dollars. Thank you. Uh, Theo with a note. Hey, come back here with my lamp. Hey, Robin. Hopefully, it was his own lamp Diogenes was using, or he'd be way too much like the current house for comfort. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's 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 deadly serious. But it's also farce. I mean, really high, low farce. By the way, Arnold tells me because I don't I don't, I, I pay no attention to TikTok. I'm, you know, a geezat. It's all over TikTok that it's the Democrats' fault because Republicans watch TikTok. Oh, for pity's sake. Uh, TJ? I think Lois was saying economist. <laughs> God, you're an optimist, TJ. And uh, Gino, uh, out in Utah, Gino says, In memoriam, I'm just so sad that Jim Shorts Jordan is losing ground that it makes me want to donate in his honor. Look for a donation coming through. Oh, Gino, try not to, try, try, try not, try not to be too consumed by your grief. Thank you. Goddamn woke meatloaf. Every night it's the same damn thing. I'll worry about his children and Mrs. Jordan. I mean, I'm sure Mrs. Jordan is awful too. But still, the idea of Jim Jacket off Jordan in his bedroom with the Urine-colored snake flag duvet, scrawling red rum, red rum, Steve Scalise on the wall. Uh, 
I'm, you know, I don't have it to do with, but you know, buck here, buck there. I may have to call my bookie in London, and you know, just place a five dollar bet on whether or not Jim Jordan eventually shows up in his wrestling singlet, his wrestling leotard. Well, we haven't heard from Marge yet today. She was on the balcony, a balcony at the Capitol, and she shared video of a protest in front of the Capitol because there's a lot of protests at the Capitol. And a guy got in her face and said, let Gaza live, let Gaza live, Gaza's blood is on your hands. They're coming unglued. They've long since come unglued. Wait, 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 did you catch? I know there's a lot of noise. It was a huge protest. Uh, This is the sort of thing that started with BLM. People protesting uh, over slaughter in Gaza, and somehow it's Black Lives Matter's fault. Bueller? She's she's just saying. I mean, she she could very well just be a malfunctioning AI at this point, just making random words. Insane. Black Gaza live. Black Gaza live. Black Gaza live. Murder and go home. Murder and go home. Black Gaza live. Because one of the protesters actually got all the way to Marge. And and you know what the banner says? It doesn't say Israel go home down there at the protest. No, it doesn't. No, it says cease fire, cease fire, cease fire. Here we are. I didn't do it. These people are crazy. So they're arresting people inside. Are they arresting people inside? No. No? Not yet? Not enough? Okay. What are they doing? 
arrest him? Not him. Wait, why, why, why isn't he being arrested? Why? This, you're an insurrection. You're, this is an insurrection. Yeah, the people that elect me do not support this. I don't represent you, lady. I don't represent you. And yet she gets a federal paycheck. She doesn't get... She doesn't get a bag of hickory nuts from the voters of Georgia's 13th district in payment for her services. That check comes from the Treasury of the United States of America. I don't represent you, lady! It's not just that they don't want to govern. They have no idea how. They don't even know how the government works. Uh, Steve from Georgia stands, subject line, I bleach... Thanks a pant load, Robin. I'll never be able to unsee the image you painted of Jacket Off in his wrestling, uh, wrestling leotard. Now on the balance beam, Jim Jordan. You don't want to see the open floor exercise, believe me. Gino, thank you. Thank you so much, Gino. We're fully funded for last Tuesday, too. In fact, we are down to, uh, let's see. Fourteen fifty-five. Fourteen fifty-five. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Gino, and gosh, I know. In memoriam, Jim Jordan's dignity. Uh, we will uh, we will immolate a rubber chicken at midnight as a show of grief. Oh, and. Uh, Uh, I, w- I will do that. Just got an e- email from. Uh, I just got an internet from our uh, from our friend who jumped in earlier. I'll let him know. Okay. Right. I'm going to assume, says Ralphs, that the Trump spokesperson who referred to Mittens is really Trump. Yeah, or or John Barron, Ralphs. It could always be John Barron. Uh, Irish Dave says, I would suggest the ideal speaker candidate is Malanorma. Speaker of six languages. <laughs> so let's check in with uh, Nitwit Nero's fraud trial today. We talked earlier about Doug Larson, who said that he never did the work that the 
maggot organization said that he did. And apparently while he was testifying, uh, uh, Mango Mussolini was muttering and talking during Larson's uh, examination. And he testified that he did not condone the way that the Trump organization valued properties. And with Nitwit Nero muttering away there, damn it. Fake, fake testimony. He's lying. He's a liar. I swear he's not. He, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to come completely unhinged, y'all. Two steel, two steel ball bearings talking about strawberries, the works. At which point, Justice Arthur Ngoron said, Okay, I'll ask everyone to be quiet when the witness is testifying, particularly if it's meant to influence the testimony. And that's when Lazaro Fields, that's another one of his pettifoggers, accused Doug Larson of engaging in perjury in his previous testimony. And then Chris Kyes, another pettifogger, stood up and asked the court to advise Larson of his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. This, in turn, led Justice Ngoron to have Mr. Larson escorted from the courtroom. And the uh, attorneys general said, this is witness intimidation, Your Honor. This is a performance. I've never seen anything like that. Pettifogger Kai said, it is not a performance. I take this very seriously. Uh, Justice Ngoron then lectured Chris Kai's. Mr. Kai's, my role is to get the witness to testify if he perjured himself yesterday or he perjured himself today. I don't care. I just want him to testify. Get the witness back here as soon as possible. Which is actually an accurate statement. Whether one has perjured oneself is for a later determination. And Justice Ngoron is doing the best that he can to keep this from turning into an absolute disaster. But once again, we have to rely on reporters inside the courtroom because, well, the American people just aren't capable of watching a trial and understanding what's really happening. We had a clip from the uh, had a clip from the uh, view earlier. Well, Rachel Maddow was also on there because uh, she, she's she's uh, selling her new book about American opposition to fascism over the last hundred years or so. But when the, necessarily when the conversation began, it couldn't the conversation couldn't help but turn to. the dysfunction of the house. I've been thinking lately, and in fact I went back and uh, 
re-listened to it. I think it was on his last album, Warren Zevon had a uh, song called Disorder in the House. They should probably play that at the opening of every of, of every session, at least right now. Celebrating 15 years as an anchor of her top-rated MSNBC show, and she's written a book that should be required reading, baby, truly, not just right now, but always. It's extraordinary. It's called Prequel. It's an American fight against fascism. She lays it out, and it's ex- you, you will not be unhappy when you read this. You'll get it. Mm-hmm. Please welcome the fabulous Rachel Maddow. <laughs> thrilled that you're here, but listen, yesterday we saw, what is going on? Jim Jordan, he lost the first round as speaker vote, and then, and then the second vote is supposed to be underway. Is he going to have to do the same thing McCarthy did, and then they're going to be mad that they had to give up? What is happening? Even if you can fast forward to the end of this process, yeah. whenever it ends, with whoever wins, what does that person win? <laughs> the worst job in America, yeah, yeah. and they get to hold it for five minutes, and then they get fired, and then we start again. I mean, there's nothing to look forward to for anybody here. No. It is a sad thing. Um, but we also, we need a functioning Congress. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how we're going to get it. They refuse to do anything with Democrats, so that means they have to do it amongst themselves. They are incapable of choosing a leader amongst themselves. And so we're just waiting for them to get it together. Well, should we, we be worried that they can't even find a leader? I mean, <laughs> worried? At this point, I'm past worried. We know. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no suspense. Um, I mean, I, I, I think that had Mr. Jordan been chosen, it would have been a big deal for the country. It, it, would, it would be like if, if, if Trump was, was president and put Rudy Giuliani on the Supreme Court. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, oh, <laughs> God, that's, that's, that's a very good example. Or Sidney Powell or one of yeah. these people. I mean, okay. there was nobody who was more important in Congress to Trump's effort to overthrow the lawfully elected government of the United States than Jim Jordan. And so then to make him second in line to the presidency and in charge of Congress certifying the election results in 2024, I mean, that is, that is, I mean, he's still in the running. Maybe it'll still be him. That'll be a big deal if that happens in all the wrong ways. Um, I'm hoping that they go a more moderate direction, but we'll see. But just, just you mentioned. Yeah, see, doggone it. Hold on, damn it. There we are again. I'm hoping they will be, they'll go in a more moderate direction. I respect Rachel. Who are the more moderates? And what exactly does more moderate mean in 2023? Among, among the maggot majority in the House, more moderate means actually using toothpicks instead of toenail clippings, okay? More moderate is not the same as moderate. And a moderate Republican, at this point in time, is someone who doesn't actively and approvingly quote Adolf Hitler in public. It... it, 
It's like saying, you know, I hope they choose a more sparkly unicorn. Or a less tricky leprechaun. And I'm not trying to be a bitch about it. Those those people don't exist. They 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 went extinct in the Republican Party no later than the 1990s. This isn't like some ivory-billed woodpecker in a swamp in Arkansas. Oh, look, there's still one. No. There, 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 there are some ruins where perhaps once moderate Republicans dwelt, but they're not much more than foundation stones. They're more probably, not, not even that, they're more like garbage middens. And most importantly, the few people that might be marginally semi a little bit responsible don't want to be within three area codes of the job. That's what should tell us what's going on. The people who are capable of doing it don't want it. Kind of like how, but well, never mind. We're not doing no. Not going to give Steve the satisfaction. I mean, Hakeem Jeffries would like to have the job, and the Democratic Caucus could actually work to get shit done. But they're not in the driver's seat. And if any of those 22 are the more moderates, they're not coming along. So I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And I'm still perhaps overly focused on the fact that we've got a shutdown coming in the middle of November, the week before Thanksgiving, and it'll probably last into, into 2024. Because if Jim Jackadoff Jordan were to have the speakership, do you think that he would be a good faith partner in producing a continuing resolution to keep the government open? I mean, sure, they'd give the entire treasury to Israel if they were given half a chance. But the people who are actually fighting for freedom and democracy in Ukraine will go hang fire. Because the real face of the Republican Party right now is the is 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 waste products like marginal trailer queen. Who wants a man arrested for saying let Gaza live and the blood is on your hands? That's pretty protected political speech now, isn't it? 
doesn't matter to her. This is an insurrection. No, they were all peacefully chanting down there because even in the disagreement between people who support Israel and people who support Palestinians, and everybody hates Hamas, even, even in that charged atmosphere, our side doesn't bring guns to the Capitol and go take a dump in the rotunda. And here we are. And here we are at the end of the program. And here we are at the middle of the week. Remember, uh, in addition to the program tomorrow afternoon, evening, uh, join Tara Devlin and me for the Mike Malloy program on Progressive Voices on TuneIn. Uh, it's going to be fun. Safe travels, Mike. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to our PayPal and Patreon subscribers, and thank you to our a la carte contributors. Thank you so much, all of you. We actually, well, we're funded up to a week ago today. Thank you so much. 1455. Thank you, Gino, for the have a show on me. Thank you. Thanks to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you, Roger, in the chat room. Hey, Steve, Miss Karen, give a little Clint, give a little Kenley an extra pepperoni on on Auntie Robin. Thanks to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast, please. Leave a comment. Folks will see it. Maybe they'll talk back to you. I don't know. Get a conversation going. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net, 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia, and a proud union shop. Stay safe. Get your booster. Get your flu shot. Get your RSV vaccine. If you're of that age, Frank, you know, get the shingles thing. Wear your mask. You don't want this thing. We didn't want it to begin with. You don't want it now. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Use your hand sanitizer. Carry it with you. Pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance. And if a if a if a ble- if a, a, a bleach blonde waist head starts screaming, it's an insurrection. Avoid Marge like the plague because she is. And always, 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 Gina. It's all for you. Love you, Wayne. Later. <laughs>